Hello and welcome to the GFSB Business Podcast. I'm your host, David Vagliate. This is episode six and is actually the last episode of this current series. Thank you for listening in. We've had such a great response to this series in particular. Me and the team at the GFSB are super grateful for your support. Remember, you can catch up on both series and all episodes so far on your favorite streaming platform. The Gibraltar Federation of Small Businesses is a non-profit organization that exists to help small businesses start, grow and thrive. Get all the info at gfsb.gi. This week, I'm delighted to have Sir Joe Bosano on as a guest. Sir Joe is a former Chief Minister of Gibraltar, having served between 1988 and 1996, and is its current Minister for Economic Development, Enterprise, Telecommunications, and the Gibraltar Savings Bank. He's actually the first politician to be invited onto the GFSB Business Podcast because he has had and continues to have such a big influence on how business is done here in Gibraltar. At 83 years old and with no plans to retire anytime soon, Sir Joe became part of the trade union movement in the 1960s and later moved into a very successful political career. He's often referred to as the father of the house and he has been credited for driving many of the projects that made doing modern business in Gibraltar possible. Many people might not know this but he's got a degree in economics and another in Italian. In today's episode we look back at some of the biggest changes to Gibraltar's economy and infrastructure and also address current challenges that are facing local businesses. I met him at his office in Town Range and started off by asking him whether you can separate politics from economics. The concept of economics started as political economy and therefore political theory predated economic theory but political economy I think was something that was predominantly the result of the Industrial Revolution and the growth of capitalism as the most important issue in terms of political theory because it, it created something that, that I think in terms of economy people sometimes think that the market economy is a result of the capitalist system that is not true because if the Neanderthals went out to hunt and came home and exchanged part of the meat they couldn't eat with somebody that was a market transaction and they were not influenced by Karl Marx, you know, so, mm, so the yeah. theories did not create the, the system, the system predated the theories. Gibraltar's upgrade of its telecommunications infrastructure is often credited for attracting global businesses to the rock in the 90s. So Joe talked about how he negotiated a deal with the US telecoms provider Ninex. One thing that happened in 1986, I was a leader of the opposition and, and I was at the American Memorial on the poppy day and next to me putting a wreath there was a guy who when when it was over introduced himself to me and he said I'm the consul in Tangier I kind of we're going to have a drink I said yeah sure look I'll get to the point straight away I've been asked by the embassy in London to contact you because the US government wants to invite you to the States for a month you can go wherever you want, there will be no restrictions on, on where you go or what you want to see. We'll take you to the Pentagon, to the, to the base we have in Virginia, and then you can meet whoever you want. And as I was very generous of your government, and you're going to be the chief minister in two years' time, he says. I said, I am. We want to offer you the opportunity of coming to the States and 
judging for yourself what we are. That experience included a meeting with Ninex, and therefore, when I came in, the first thing I did was, you know, we need to do something. And I actually opened up an international uh, invitation for people to run our telephone system, and there was Ninex and Japanese national state. Uh, and, and I knew the people in Nainix from, from two years earlier, right? And I thought it would be better to do that. And so I contacted Nainix, they put in a bid. They were quite interested in coming in. They were dif finding difficulty in getting a, a telecom license anywhere in, in Europe because markets were closed. And therefore, it, they wanted to have a, a foot in, in the European market, and this was a way of coming in. And I negotiated with them a deal using my trade union skills, so that we set up a joint venture company worth 15 million, which we, 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 or 50, it was 15,000, 50 million shares of one pound. So, so 15,000 pounds were put, seven and a half million each, right? And uh, I said, well, look, I haven't got seven and a half million each, but I value my uh, Victorian uh, uh, telephone crossbar exchange, which is a relic. Yeah. Uh, and so you see it at seven and a half million, so that's what I will put into the company for my 50% share for the government. And then I said, now the government will give you a license to operate and the cost of that license will not be cash seven and a half million. So I took that seven and a half million and therefore to this day we've got a company that is now worth 75 million which we got for nothing in, in 1988. Without that I would not have been able to attack anybody here and therefore what I did was I didn't employ experts to, I just, I went myself, you know, campaigning for business to come to Gibraltar. And I used Ninex because when people said to me, well, look, uh, okay, this is uh, the tax, uh, you know, system is very attractive, this is attractive, that is attractive, but the most important thing is telecommunications because we're doing business from, with the outside world. Yeah. Internet didn't exist, but it was still a question of, oh, you know, the, you, you wouldn't be selling things in Gibraltar to the, to the population, you're yeah. selling to the world from Gibraltar. And I used to say to the world, you can judge for yourself, but I can tell you they are as bad as Wall Street. And then I said, yes, because we happen to have both the same company in Gibraltar and in Wall Street, which is Nightingale's. Gibraltar carried out some major land reclamation projects in the 80s and 90s. Here, Sir Joe tells us about some of the negotiations that took place behind the scenes. The AACR was in government, was already planning reclamation and planning an estate, right? which they were planning to rent or sell, but not on a 50-50, because I invented the 50-50. Right. And during the election campaign, the people, since the polls say, well, we're going to win, the people started talking to me about what we would do, you know, because they didn't want to go into an investment and then fight the change of government, right? While we were campaigning, I had a visit from a judge, a uh, freelance journalist, who was based in Madrid, 
who came to Cava because everything, you know, in, in Spain there was a lot of focus on the fact that there could be a government that was socialist in Gibraltar and there was a socialist government in Spain and that might change things, you know. And these this guys said, well, look, the, the situation with the MOD uh, uh, going is going to be a difficult one. I said, well, look, the first thing I'm going to do is I want to reclaim land. I said, and I need to reclaim land because negotiations for the MOD to release land are very slow and I'll be the whole four years negotiating and not do anything. So we need to have a land bank. And he said to me, okay, uh, and where are you going, the expertise is not here, where are you going to go? I said, well, uh, UK, we go, uh, whenever we, we need anything that we don't have, we go to UK. He says, well, haven't you thought of going to Holland? Because the Dutch are the, the, the people with most experience of land reclamation in, in Europe, or in the world probably. And uh, I said, well, I don't know how to go about going to Holland. I mean, you know, the, all the contests we've got already made. And the guy went away. A week later, I had another guy from Holland saying he wanted to see me, and I think it was another journalist. And he came to see me and I said, look, I've already explained everything to the previous. He said, no, 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 not a journalist. I was driving home and I tuned in on the radio and I listened to your interview, which has been put on, on in Holland. And I am the, the sales manager of the number two uh, company in Holland for land reclamation. And I'm coming here to tell you that we're interested in the world. Instead of driving home, I drove to Schiphol, to Heathrow, and I'm here. Wow. And I said, okay, well, look, I'm not going to go to Tedna when I go in. You go back and you tell the company that you've got the job, because that's what I need. What you've just done is what I need to do in Gibraltar what needs to be done. But you will need to do it in, in record time. I've got a four-year term, and I, you need... I cannot, you cannot, if you cannot do it in 15 months, I will get somebody who can. And the price has to be the right price. So that's it. The guy went, we got elected, and he went. Anyway, he wanted to keep on asking more things. I said, look, if you keep me talking here and I don't get the election, you don't get the work. So I get out of my way. <laughs> when, they, when the guy came back, yeah. we did the deal. It was a very good deal. I borrowed money to reclaim the land. And then... I talked to the companies that had put tenders for housing, right? And there was hardly any difference in the price. A few, you know, in, in, in several million pounds of contract work, there was just a few thousand pounds difference between, between the two of them, both Spanish companies, right? Dragados was one, and I can't remember the other one was. So I came up with the idea, and I said, look, instead of allocating the contract, I'm going to find out if I can make a bigger reclamation. So I asked the, the, the Dutch guys, can you give me a breakdown of what the cost of the reclamation is? And they said, well, look, the revetment to protect it is the most expensive thing. I said, well, what happens if I go out? And they said, well, look, if you go out, then you can double the price and quadruple the land. And the cost per meter will fall because it's very shallow the cost of the revetment is going to be a little bit more. The fill is very cheap. And I said, okay, then. Uh, uh, so I, I took the, the original AACR plant and produced four times the size. The GFSB Business Podcast is sponsored by Gibraltar International Bank. 
I went to the two contractors and I negotiated, you know, a discount and I, I gave them both contracts. And I said, look, now with the money we were going to build 500 houses, we'll do a 50-50 scheme. So now if I only have to put 50% of the money, with the same money I can do instead of 500, 1,000. And it doesn't cost me any more, right? So I invented the 50-50 scheme. And in order to encourage the banks to lend, because it was a completely new thing, you know, banks are scared of new things. I said to the banks, the government will buy 50% of the house, cash, right? The co-owner will net a mortgage, and we will underwrite the mortgage you give for the other 50, so that if you cannot pay, and you have to come in and repossess, you can sell my half if there is not enough equity in his half. Mm. So you've now got, you know, a gold-plated wow. guarantee because you, you are lending 90% of 50%, mm. and it's guaranteed by 100% of, of, the, of the equity, right? And therefore, they, they were willing to give people on, on not very high incomes. The, the, the thing, the, the houses were being sold at 38,000 pounds, so you had the 19,000 pounds, 50% uh, thing, you had to borrow maybe 17,000 pounds, <laughs> right? And on top of that, I gave everybody a 10,000 pounds tax uh, uh, deduction for the capital. So the result of that, the, the tax re relief and the 50-50 meant that the price of the mortgage was not very much more than the, than the rent of the house. So people had to make you know, a little bit of an effort and maybe yeah. pay 10 or 20% more. And by the end yeah. of the day, they, they were buying a house and becoming homeowners. And, and this is really why, I mean, if the home ownership had not been done because, you know, the idea came into my head because there were two guys there, and I thought, well, why not do with one yeah. money two, two house, yeah. two estates? It probably would never have gone off because the, 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 the economics of it meant that it was a very attractive deal in the sense, you know, okay, you make a little bit of a, a sacrifice, but you're, you're putting money to, into rent and you're not going to own anything for a little bit more. You, and look, I mean, 20 years later, 30 years later, what they bought for 38,000 pounds or 19,000 pounds is now worth a quarter of a million. So, so, that, so those things, we were very dynamic, very committed, always doing things non-stop, you know, mm -hmm. thinking of new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what made this place so revigorated. Sir Joe has been very vocal about how he sees the state of Gibraltar's finances. In January this year, he spoke of the difficulties he faced trying to restore financial stability in Gibraltar. I asked him about that. Look, I have said more than that. I have said in terms of public finances, it's the worst situation in the 50 years that I've been in Parliament. I don't think this is not scaremongering. This is facing reality. Everything that we've done in the past, we've done by facing reality and seeing it for what it is. That doesn't mean that there is no hope, but it means that we need to change the chip. And we need to understand that the, we've been incredibly fortunate 
in Gibraltar, in being able to continue to increase our lifestyle. I won't say our standard of living, because I think standard of living and lifestyle are two different things. I think also that the most important thing facing mankind is not what is happening to our economies or the virus, but the damage we're doing to the planet. And I think that damage can only be cured by lower levels of consumption. Now, lower levels of consumption is not good news for business who want people to consume and they want to sell. But the reality is that if we have higher levels of consumption and we consume ourselves to our own death as a species, then it's in nobody's interest. You know, There are ways of having economic growth which is not making intensive use of natural resources. You know, if you invest heavily in education, you are providing a good which has got a value, but which consumes no natural resources. So I think in the context of having to consume less, which is necessary, particularly for those who are used to having a a level of income which is in the public sector, which is far greater than in the private sector, and far greater than in the UK, they need to understand that it is not possible for any government, whoever they choose to elect, to tax the private sector in order to keep on increasing the cost of the public sector. That is not an option that is available to anybody. It is not a matter of choice, it is not a matter of ideology, it is a matter of hard economic facts in an arithmetical thing. He had some strong words for local business owners too. The business community, I think, has to understand that by definition there may be less purchasing power from the public sector because if, the, if we haven't given increased wages for years then of course some of that it has an effect on less purchasing power. Border fluidity was also one of the areas that we spoke about. If you have a situation where somebody comes in from Spain on a day trip, uh, does the, the, the road tour, buys a few souvenirs and has a meal, okay? The guy's consumption in Gibraltar is that Part of the meal that is eating has been imported from Spain, so if he has an orange juice, the orange juice may have come. The guy that makes his meal has been imported from Spain. The guy that serves the meal has been imported from Spain. When you take out of the equation all the things that are earnings that go out, mm. it means you're bringing your consumer in, and you're bringing your producer in, and you're bringing your product in, and the margin that stays here is a very small part of the total of that expenditure because much, much more of it is lost in that equation. What we've done is grown an economy by growing the size of the working population to the extent that we're now in a situation where 49% of our workforce is on the wrong side of the border. If that border is difficult to cross, that would put the model in serious trouble. So there you have it. 
Thank you so much for listening to the GFSB Business Podcast today. This episode marks the end of the current season, and I really, really hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you to my guest today, Sir Joe Bosano, and of course to all my previous guests in this series, James Levy, Vicky Bishop, Bisham Nichlani, Philip Basquez, and Shimon Akkad. Myself and the team at the GFSB are truly grateful you've all taken part. Thank you also to everyone who's contributed behind the scenes and helped me firm up times and make space for these interviews to take place. Thanks again to the Gibraltar International Bank for sponsoring and a special thank you to the team at the Gibraltar Federation of Small Businesses, GFSB, for the support, for the coordination, for the contacts and Matthew Davies for the sound production. If you have any suggestions for guests for season three, please drop us a comment on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thank you for listening and see you very, very, very soon.